Hello and welcome to the Van Life Lab podcast, where we're all about exploring the trials and joys of van life. I'm Colby, joined today by my co-host Kayla, and we also have co-host Eric. Today we're here to introduce our final podcast host, Kayla. Kayla has traveled the globe leading conservation efforts with her dogs. She's been living out of her van since 2021. Before we get started today, we want to ask you to give this brand new Van Life podcast a thumbs up, five-star rating, and an honest review wherever you listen to this podcast. Talk to us about what you like, what you didn't, and what you want to hear more of, and become a part of this podcast from the very beginning. Since this is a Van Life podcast, why don't we start there? Kayla, tell us about yourself. What made you start your Van Life journey? Yeah, well, yeah, thanks for having me, Colby. As we said before, I'm super excited to be here. So... Yeah, if I go back, I've I've kind of thought on and off about doing the van life thing for quite a while. I actually one of my best friends in college bought a old Sprinter van in 2015 and she and her now fiance built it out way back in 2015. Um And so I've kind of been thinking about it on and off since then, because again, I had a good friend who started doing it kind of kind of early in the van life um, craze. And then, you know, I was dating a guy who did not, he was not the van life type. Um, he was adventurous in a lot of other ways, but was not cut out for van life. Um, and then in 2019, he and I broke up and then I kind of started thinking about van life, but I was working my dream job at the time and had a really nice apartment and it didn't really make sense to, to change at that point. And then, you know, COVID hit. Um, but then <laughs> I ended up losing that dream job at the, at, towards the end of 2020. And, um, didn't really know what I was doing with my life um, for a couple months there. And basically around the same time in February and March of 2021, I started thinking about not only buying a van and doing the van life thing, but also starting my own conservation detection dog organization. Um, And just as a quick sidebar, because otherwise I'm going to forget to define that, conservation detection dogs are the dogs that I work with. So um, they're dogs that are trained to help scientists with their research. So they'll find things like invasive plants for removal or the scat of endangered animals so that scientists can know how many there are or what they're eating or what their hormone levels are or whatever. Um, And that's what I really wanted to do. Um, And that was what my dream job had been in. And one of the things that van life would solve for me professionally is that for that job, you travel a ton. Um, with my old job, I had been on the road for kind of like five to eight months a year, most years. Um, and I was paid enough at that job that I could kind of keep an apartment back home. And then my, my employer would cover my travel. So it worked out just fine. But if I was going to start my own organization, I was not going to be getting paid that well um, to start with. So the van kind of would allow me to do a lifelong dream of mine, which is travel the Pan American Highway, while also really helping me get my business up and off the ground because it would allow me to travel to all of my field sites without having to pay rent at home and also not having to pay for um, you know, lodging, camping, RV rental, whatever it was out at my field sites. Wow. Yeah. And I think um, the folks listening will be happy to hear that you are currently pursuing that lifelong dream of the Pan Am Highway. Um, And of course, we'll dig into that further in the the next episodes. Um, A couple of times you mentioned your dog. So sounds like you're traveling with multiple animals. Do you want to tell us about them? 
Yes. Yeah. So I have a little bit, um, we call it the, what, what did I, what have I been calling it? Oh, the menagerie. Yeah, the Let menagerie. me start that over again. The menagerie. Yes. So yes, I do have a little bit of a uh, menagerie, a menagerie. Um, <laughs> haven't quite figured out the accent on that one. Um, so I have two dogs and a cat. So the first dog is Barley. He's a nine-year-old border collie. Um, he's currently at my feet with his tongue sticking about two inches out of his mouth. Um, and I've had him since 2017. I adopted him from an animal shelter that I used to work for. And he is my kind of primary conservation detection dog buddy. He's also just my best friend. Then next up, we've got Niffler. Niffler is just about two years old, two and change. He's also a Border Collie. I got him as a as a puppy from a breeder in December of 2020, so about three months before I got the van. So he's actually spent most of his life living in the van with me. He's also a conservation detection dog. He's still kind of learning the ropes, but he's doing great, um, and he's enthusiastic and sweet and cuddly and goofy. And... Then last up, I have Norbert. So Norbert is a cat that I found in a ditch on a run um, in September of this year. Um, and I was not looking for a cat. I knew that I was going to be starting the Pan American Highway roughly a month after I found this cat. Um, and I tried to find him a new home. And I tried to convince everyone, including myself, that I was not going to keep him. But he really fit well into our lives. And now I have a cat as well. So it's it's pretty full, but it is just me on the human end of things. That's just a huge inspiration. Like we have debated getting a dog for <laughs> since the beginning. So to see you with three animals is a huge inspiration to us. Um, now that we've covered the animals and you living in the van, in the first episode, we kind of dug into the rig that Eric and I are traveling in in our intro. Um, so why don't we dig into your van? Yeah. So I basically, so as I said, I kind of in March of 2020, I had a flurry of activity where I submitted 501c3 status and incorporated canine conservationists as a nonprofit. I built a website and I set up Craigslist alerts for camper vans in about 10 different cities, kind of figuring, you know, wherever I find the right man, I will travel and pick that up wherever mm -hmm. it's going to be. And I was open to both pre-built and not, which I know is something we're going to get into in a future episode as well. Um, but what ended up coming across my plate was Saga. Um, so she's a 2006 Dodge Sprinter that has been lived out of by at least two people before me. I only know two owners back, but she's, she's 16 years old, so she probably has more than those two wow. owners. There was a guy in Florida who lived out of her for a while, and then there was a young couple from Colorado that bought her for their pandemic sabbatical, lived out of her Woo. for about a year, and made some pretty significant upgrades before selling her. Um, so she came to me with solar panels and a mic. Uh, so she came to me with solar panels and a memory foam bed, and uh, you know the whole kitchen setup and waterproof flooring, and you know really pretty much everything you needed for the van. She had a couple minor repairs she needed on the inside, um, and then needed a new fuel injector mechanically. So she was priced to sell. I got really lucky. Um, there were actually three people in line ahead of me to buy her, but. Um, yeah. Both of them needed loans or all three of them needed loans from the bank and were rejected because, um, you know, on paper, a self-built camper van isn't really worth as much to the bank as they are priced. So they weren't able to get a loan approved and I had cash in hand to buy her. 
So I sent a friend who was in Salt Lake City at the time to go look at her. He called me back. Uh, well, he gave me a, a video tour as well, called me back and said, yeah, I think it's good to go. Um, go for it. And I bought her, you know, basically sight unseen. Um, and then <laughs> this is a little bit of a story, which is why her name is Saga. <laughs> um, after that, I had her immediately taken to a mechanics to get that fuel injector thing taken care of. Um, sent her to a diesel mechanic just outside of Salt Lake City, and they called me a couple of weeks later saying, hey, so we replaced the fuel injectors, but something's still not right. And I said, okay, um, great. Well, you know, let me know when you know more. Um, and then they called me shortly after that and said, we think you need to sit down. Um, you needed an entirely new engine. Um, and uh, in retrospect, what I think happened, because they gave me a complete refund on all the work they did without pushing at all, they offered me yeah. a refund. It turns out they had actually installed the wrong fuel injector the first time around, and I think they killed the engine. <gasps> oh um, my God. And I should have been more suspicious when they offered me a refund. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I wasn't. I was just kind of too shocked at that point because I had emptied the entirety of my savings. I had oh luckily kind of kept all of my stimulus checks and everything um, to buy this van, but like scraping together the money to buy this van was like yeah. everything I had. Um, and then it was going to be between 10 and $20,000 for a new engine. Um, and at the time I, I was making like, I don't even want to know. It was like $13 an hour at the local animal shelter or something like that. Um, <laughs> So took her to another mechanic at that point, got her towed, um, and started looking for an engine, was able to find an engine for her. And I think we ended up going with a new engine, but honestly, that part of my life is a little bit blacked out memory-wise because it was so stressful. Is this, um, you're in, like, North America during this? Okay, you're not. Yes. So at this point, I, so I bought her while I was in Southern California visiting okay. my sister, um, I flew back to, no, I drove my Prius back to Montana and was just kind of waiting for the go ahead to then yeah. fly down to Salt Lake City, which was a nice short um, drive from Missoula to Salt Lake City, or a nice short flight, um, pick her up and drive her home. Um, so yeah, at this point I'm in Missoula, about four or five, maybe six weeks of work later, I've been kind of emailing back and forth with the mechanic and they finally say, okay, the engine replacement is done. She's ready for you to pick her up. Um, and so I flew down on a Friday, went to pick the van up. I drove it off the lot, um, maybe a couple miles and the van went into limp mode, which is Oof. kind of a self-protecting function that engines have where they like, they won't let you go over a certain RPM or a certain speed to kind of oh pre prevent the engine from blowing up further. Um, which is nice. Um, yep, for a new engine. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, I don't need a third engine. So I drove back to the mechanics and at this point it's probably like 10 or 11 a.m. on a Friday before Memorial Day. And they took it in to do some more work. A um, couple hours later, they sent me home again and they said, all right, you're good to go. Goodbye. And I say, OK, great. And I drove off the lot and again, it went into limp mode. So at this point, I take it back and they say, we're not going to be able to see you until Tuesday because it's about to be a three day weekend. And I had just kind of left my dogs with my landlady because I was going to be gone for like 24 hours total. It's an eight hour yeah. drive from Salt Lake City. So I was just like, I'm gonna stay overnight at a friend's, hang out with him and then drive home the next day. Um, 
So yeah. all of a sudden now I'm like not supposed to be home for four days instead of one day. And um, they sent me home with a couple things that I could try to replace on my own that might be the problem. Um, so I really jumped kind of like elbows first into bad life with like replacing my own EGR valve and turbo resonator eliminator sensor. Oh and one other thing, I can't really remember all three. Um, hey, Barley, buddy, that's enough. Barley, don't worry about it. Barley has recently decided anyone walking past on the beach is his business. <laughs> um, so I'm going to okay, start over. So. So yeah, I kind of jumped in like um, elbows first, hands first into van life with replacing my own turbo resonator eliminator and EGR valve. And one other thing, I can't remember what, um, right away over that weekend. So like my first oh my van God. life experience is just like watching YouTube videos and replacing things on my engine, which is something I've never done before. I am not a gearhead at all. None of those things fixed it. So ultimately, they get me in on Tuesday, and they determined that it actually needed a whole new turbo as well. Um, once they got the turbo replaced, it was good to go. Um, and luckily, I actually had really good luck on GoFundMe putting everything together and was able to get everything covered and everything paid for. It was still an wow. absolute nightmare. And I, for about two months there, was really like, I have made the worst mistake of my life buying this van. What have I done? how do I undo this? You know, I really seriously considered trying to figure out how to scrap it and sell it. But it's also one of those things where it was like, well, it's so bad right now. I'm not going to be able to sell it. Like who on mm -hmm. earth would buy this van? Yeah. <laughs> um, especially for like anything close to what I spent on it. Yeah. Um, so it was a lot, you know, it was kind of like, well, I think in the long run, it's better for me to just double down and figure out how to fix this. And I ultimately, I think I made the right decision, but I really doubted myself for a while there. So yeah, that was, that was my introduction to van life. It was not romantic. A true saga. That is insane. There's so much to say though, about like knowing your van inside and out. Cause like when you're on yes. the Pan Am highway, like if something goes wrong, like you can probably hopefully fix it, you know? Like <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do know a lot more about the mm -hmm. van now than I did before. And that actually, I mean, I think that's a good point though. If, if someone asked me about the Pan Am, um, and we should, we'll do a whole episode on this topic later, of course, yeah. I would probably recommend doing it with a van that you built yourself. Um, a, because you could be thinking about it from the get go, as far as replaceable components and compatible components yep. and stuff in a way that because I bought the van from someone else, um, yep. they weren't necessarily planning on that. And B, just so you know what it is. Like, um, you know, I had a similar, this was a, a smaller example, but um, I had a fuse blow on one of my solar panels pretty early into owning Saga, which is not a big deal. Mm -hmm. It's not a hard replacement. It's not a hard fix. But I just didn't know where the fuse was. Um, mm -hmm. So it took me like two or three days to kind of figure out how to follow all the wires back and pull everything apart yep. and figure out where my fuses were versus if I had built it myself, it would have been a much easier fix. Yeah. I mean, this is your intro, so I won't tell too much of our story, but I mean, <laughs> even just yesterday, like we crossed from New Jersey to Colorado in three days and we got here and we realized like our, the outer part of our um, solar panel was cracked. And like within minutes eric was like i know how to fix this and we went to lowe's fixed it and we were out in 20 minutes but it was like if you're not even aware to like look at those things like we kind of knew it was a weak point because mm -hmm. we skimped on reinforcing it at the beginning so we were like oh let's double check it and boom let's fix it and that's the second time we've had to replace something um but you're right it's 
it's a lot easier when you know the path to follow and then what to mm-hmm. do um yeah yeah okay what a saga <laughs> Yes. Yes. So her name is very fitting. And, and, you know, like now we're at the point where it's like, well, but a saga doesn't have to feel or be negative. Um, So it's, it's a good name for her because it's, you know, it's not like a name to like Sanava or something. I like that. I like bands that have names that have meanings too. It's it's special. Um, Okay. So you did a lot of work at the beginning. Were there (laughs) any other updates you've made kind of since you've been in it almost what, two years now? I'm sure you've yeah. Do some things you want to change or alter or upgrade? Anything like yeah, that? Yeah, so I've had kind of two little, like, two-week-long spurts of activity um, where I've done some some updates. So, oh, no, I've had three. So, you know, the first, after, after all the engine stuff, um, I did a couple kind of minor repairs and those sorts of things. So, like, as I said, when the van was sold to me, one of the hinges on my wardrobe was broken. You know, there were like a couple minor things like that that I fixed. Um, and then I replaced that wardrobe door later on with a sliding door so that um, I don't I because I have like a footstool that you um, is also a storage ottoman that the dogs and I use to get in and out of the bed because the bed is super duper high. Um, so previously that was that footstool was always in the way to open my wardrobe so my dad and i built like a custom sliding um door that's been really really nice then gosh what else have we done um my friend betsy and i so she was the one that uh she's kind of my van life mom she's the one who lived in the van starting in 2015 she and i built like a polar fleece um insulated um hanging quilt for both privacy and for warmth before i did my first winter in the van. Yep. Um, and then since then, as far as kind of bigger things, um, this summer, my dad and I installed a water filter and water pump. Previously, I just had um, kind of a, a hand pump um, and needed to use pre-filtered water in the van, um, which is fine in the U.S., but I knew in Central South America would be a problem yeah. for me. Um, and then we installed, gosh, we did a couple other big things. What were they? Oh, and then the other big thing we did around the same time was we cut a rear window into the van. So now we have a window because previously it was just like a hundred percent creeper van. It had no windows. <laughs> we installed a um, a permanent ladder on the back as well because previously I had a telescoping ladder, which mm. much more than I expected was a hindrance to getting up and looking at the solar panels or dealing with stuff on the roof. Um, it's amazing how much the little step of having to open the back, pull out the ladder set yeah. up, and then go onto the roof. Like I, I, I was constantly skimping on things on the roof because of that. So I've got a ladder now. The window has been amazing for a cross breeze, um, especially again mm-hmm. in Central America. It's very yeah. hot down here. Um, and then we also installed an over like the headliner shelf that goes above where the driver and the passenger sit, which has been really great both um it's where the cat can hang out if the cat wants to get away from the dogs Mm. it's where we put the cat food so the dogs can't get into the cat food and finally i actually have a co-pilot my friend tony is flying into central america to join me for the a couple months of the pan-american highway and so that is space now that i have never gotten used to being able to have so that's going to be we're calling it her loft um it's it's going to be where she can store all of her stuff um i've cleared out some other nooks and crannies for her so she's got a little bit more than just that space but it's make it it makes it a lot easier to kind of accept another person into my space because i have a space that i've never had before definitely yeah i think 
that is one difference the headliner shelf between our first build and our second build we didn't have it in the first and it's it's like kind of becomes your your van drunk junk drawer <laughs> you know like you have a drunk junk drawer in every house but I mean you got towels and, and just bulky things that mm-hmm. like don't really have a set space so that's one thing and I'm sure we'll dig into this when we do our build series but one thing that we would absolutely recommend um okay enough talk about vans let's talk <laughs> about van life so yeah. uh, yes um we try at the Van Life Lab to talk about both building and living. Um, so what have you learned in your first two years of van life? Like what comes to mind? I think the biggest thing for me has been some amount of independence and problem solving. As I said, mm-hmm. I, I grew up doing a fair bit of construction with my dad, like helping with the chicken coop or helping, you know, doing a lot of gardening or like light carpentry, but um, I've never been super handy. I never knew anything about plumbing or electrical or anything like that. And kind of contrary to what I said up top about buying, building versus buying a van, I will say in a different way, it has been nice to have a pre-built van and I've been kind of getting to learn tiny steps as I go, as things break. So instead of kind of having to sit down and be like, oh my God, how do I wire a van and having to like learn from scratch that way, which was very intimidating to me and something I'd always kind of said, you know, I think if I'm going to build a van, I want to build it with someone just if nothing else to have ideas to bounce around and ideally someone more experienced than me. Um, But I've been able to learn a lot by having to fix things as they go wrong. You know, I feel like I'm kind of constantly blowing fuses. <laughs> um, like every every three, four months, there's like a fuse somewhere yeah. that has, has something go wrong. And it's like very minor solvable problems that are really helping me gain familiarity with systems so mm-hmm. that now if I were to build my own van in the future, which I might, um, I think I've got a pretty good primer now. Um, so that independence yeah. has been huge. I think blowing a fuse every like few weeks or a month is a very good like metaphor to just fan life. <laughs> like if it's not a literal fuse, like it's a, just a mental fuse or something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, I mean, having leaky fans, minor yeah. blown fuses, like there's kind of always something yeah. going wrong. Yeah. Like once a quarter, <laughs> um, it yeah. feels like if, if not before that. So. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I, th- I, I think that would be the biggest thing. Um, I've always been pretty comfortable with the logistics and the kind of life on the road thing. That's always been something I've really enjoyed. Um, So that wasn't as much of an adjustment as honestly, I I thought that was going to be bigger for me. Oh, that's, that's interesting to hear. That's definitely one of the things that since we're, we're coming up on a full year, but in two separate vans, but the logistics is one thing we're still learning. So we'll need to get your your tips on that. That's another good episode. Um, If you had to pick, one thing about van life that you love most, what would it be? Um, <laughs> I think, and this might be actually one of the same things that I think you said. Um, oh, yeah. I love that everywhere I go, I have everything I own with me. Yes, that's um, it. <laughs> yeah, it's so nice. Like I've had days where like I go skiing all day and then I come back and I take like a nice little baby shower, baby, baby shower, and take a nice little like baby wipe shower, uh, And then I can like pull out my salsa heels and put on a dress and go dancing um, without ever having to like make another stop in between the slopes and the club, Um, (laughs) which is a very specific example. But that was how I spent most of my winter last year was like 
skiing and, and dancing salsa. Um, and it's just, it's so nice. Or like, you know, yeah, just always having everything I need with me and also being able to have that wherever I go, like where my family is currently visiting me here in Costa Rica. And, um, yeah, you know, gosh, what was, I mean, there's so many examples, but over the last couple of days, you know, one of them will be like, Oh shoot, I forgot this. Or I'm sure I'm, I'm missing a pair of shorts or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, let me walk to my house and grab that for you. Or like, Oh yeah, someone's looking for cough syrup. And actually I forgot to go check, but I'm pretty sure I have cough syrup in my little, my little medicine drawer in the van. Um, so we don't have to go find a pharmacy. Um, you know, just Mm. little things like that are really, really nice, especially when you're, when you're out there. Um, yeah, definitely. And I feel like everything also has more meaning because for you to take, put anything new in your van, like, you need to have proper justification for like either happiness or usefulness. Like everything within this space has meaning, which is a, a really cool feeling. Yes. Um, and kind of makes like gift giving hard around Christmas and birthdays and stuff. But, but you know, we got the experiences. Um, yes. Awesome. Well, that was all our questions for our interview. Um, if folks are interested, I mentioned at the beginning, there's another one of us, Eric, <laughs> he's the other half of engineers who van life. So if you guys want to listen to our intro, um, go ahead and listen to the first episode. Um, is there anything else you want to add Kayla? So two things, I think maybe, and I don't know if we did this for you guys. So maybe, maybe we should add it into this one as well. What is the worst thing about van life for, for you? And I don't remember if we asked that before. I don't think we got asked that question Um, for us. And I kind of alluded to it. It's the logistics um, Mm -hmm. piece of things. And I guess I'll speak for both Eric and I on that. Um, But I still work a nine to five job, which, you know, is a thing in itself. And especially crossing time zones, we're constantly, you know, maybe I'm working 12 to eight, maybe I'm working seven to two, it's constantly switching. So the days that I work all day and then we have to, you know, drive three or four hours to get somewhere. It just makes a lot of the logistics a lot harder. So we're trying to, to figure that out. Um, we're parked up in Colorado for the whole winter. So we're hoping that we can kind of get our grips on the logistics of where to sleep, when to fill water, when to do laundry and kind of iron those out, um, over the course of the winter. But yeah, we're getting there. It's getting easier. What would you say? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's gotta be either the logistics or the space, which are two things that are so obviously inherent to van life. uh, But still, even if you know that, um, I think you're kind of constantly reckoning with it um, and constantly, constantly having to deal with it. Um, I know like for me, one of the things that has been challenging um, space wise in particular is Crash safety is really important for me for the dogs. And I actually don't have room because of how my batteries are situated in the van to have two crash proof crates um, in my garage area, like the area under my bed. So I have one dog in a crash proof crate, um, which also kills a ton of space. Yeah. Um, Cause it's just an empty box. Yeah. Um, and then the other dog, if I don't have a co-pilot is in a seatbelt um, up front. But if I don't, if I do have a co-pilot, I don't have a third seatbelt in the vehicle. So I just have to have the dog loose. Um, and that stresses me out a lot. Um, and is a little bit more specific. 
Um, so yeah, and then I thought, yeah, let's close out with where we are right now. I think I mentioned I'm in Costa Rica. <clears throat> So I'm currently on the Pacific coast down in uh, the Guanacaste province area. Um, just finished up with a, a good day of surfing and then had a nap before this because yes. I uh, I can't handle being in the sun and then uh, <laughs> having a functioning brain, apparently. I The sun takes it out of you. We are in the complete opposite. We are currently at 10,000 oh, 10, feet in Keystone, Colorado. Um, and we also need naps because apparently if you drive from sea level to 10,000 feet, everything exhausts you. <laughs> so oh my gosh. Yeah. That's where we are. Um, well, cool. Living it up. But yeah, yeah, no, I think that's all I wanted to add. Awesome. We will close it out then. Thank, ev- thank everyone. <laughs> we will close it out then. Um, thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to keep in touch with Eric and I, you can find us on Instagram at engineers who van life or our website, engineers who van life.com. Um, Kayla and her menagerie can be found at Collies without borders on Instagram and YouTube. Thanks for listening, everyone.